Greetings, fellow travelers. Welcome to the 116th level of the RPG cave. I don't know why I stuck my arms out. I am one of your hosts, the level 199 Dark Lord, Ryan Turford, and I am joined, as always, by the 100 and <laughs> level 199 Battle Alchemist, Dr. Garrett Bland. Garrett, how are you doing on this lovely, lovely Monday evening? I, I can barely talk today, as you can tell. I, I'm, I'm doing good, man. I, I just want to let you know, I'm, I'm looking at all these Black Friday deals. They're looking good. I just want to tell you, though, on my Xbox app, my current points, reward points, is 22,895. Ooh, that's I need close. 20, I need 23,000 to get a $25 gift card. And gosh darn, I think I'll get it tomorrow. I've been, you know, so so what they do in these Xbox rewards, the daily rewards is actually play a PC game. Mm-hmm. So you have to just play one game. It could be any game. You can just like literally boot it up and it'll be away. That's literally 50 points. That's actually a high number. And then you have to use the Xbox app at least once. So it just open the app every day. And right. then here's this tap here to play. Have you played this game? The um, Microsoft I was just pulling Jeweler. up on my phone to ask you about it. The 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 Microsoft Jeweled, the yeah, Jeweled knockoff. I, I, I legit play the level. <laughs> Same. I do it every day. It's, thir- it's it, 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 you can finish it in less than forty five seconds, and you get it's thirty calming, reward though. points for it. It's actually a pretty good game loop. I'm like not gonna lie. It's like okay, yeah, you you have to connect a little bit more. Like like it's it's a match three, of course, with these colored gems. But there's if you get four or more in a row or kind of like in a you know whatever design like vertically or horizontally you get powered up gems and you need these powered up gems to destroy the black gems uh that come in later in the level so anyways i've been having fun with that been checking the weeklies you know the weekly right now is gta 5 and makes you want to steal 11 cards i'm not going to do that no no, no, no. probably not going to boot up gta and i think the gta like points total is pretty low it's 250 x actually pretty high but like you literally have to steal 11 cars and i'm like i'm not gonna install this dumb game and you know try to steal cars with a random button that i don't know so yeah well what i used to do back in the day is i used to play the games via the cloud garrett on my console so i would never have to install them you know Mm -hmm. and just play it up from the cloud because a lot of times the rewards were like just boot up the game so you do that but like anything like more Mm -hmm. complicated than that i'm like yeah i'll just stream the game not install it and usually exactly most most of those you can probably do in like 20 or 30 minutes anyways so it all works yeah. out. yeah yeah so i can't wait till my 25 dollar gift card gonna use it on something on black friday for xbox so we'll see nice yeah the, we sean and i actually talked about it on xbox drive this week garrett but like there's a lot of good sales going on right now on xbox mm-hmm. in fact across all the consoles now because all the consoles have a bunch of different sales um they're off even, to the races even like physical stuff if y'all are into you know, physical games big ton of physical games on sale too um i i see in discord as well uh sean trying to have people save him from making a bunch of purchases on the switch of a bunch of rpgs you shouldn't just, play persona on the switch i'm just I unless mean, it's i don't know it's yeah. like kind of obsolete the thing is you can get it on console I, I know he doesn't have a Steam Deck, but you can get it on a PC handheld 60 frames per second. It's going to be beautiful with achievements. You don't need the stinky Switch. You don't You don't need that <laughs> oh, in your life. But the Sorry. game runs exactly the same, though, as far as I am made aware. Like, they're not, it's not like Persona 5 has performance issues on the Switch or anything. No, no, no. Well, yeah, yeah. No, that's not, yeah, what I heard. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it's 
terrible, but it's also one of those things too, where I also, uh, Oh, garden points out it's fine on switch. It's blurry. it's blurry, but it's fine. Yeah. To your point, Garrett, maybe, maybe you probably want to play it on PS five or Xbox. If you have those consoles. Right. Right. You just stream yeah. it from your phone. It, it, it works pretty well. You know, uh, you know Matt fun. put up a video today of him playing Tactica that way, Garrett, and that, that actually good. seems like a good way of playing that game. It's literally touch controls on yeah. the phone, and it's perfect for Persona 5 Tactica because it's literally turn-based. Yeah. Because there's no um, action-based oriented stuff in that game. Perfect. Mm-hmm. That is a yeah. perfect Game Pass game, cloud game. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, like anything turn-based, I think, is like pretty good for that. Even like Persona 5 would probably be pretty good on I think know, so. streaming. Or, I think the uh, only thing maybe is trouble for you is like you have to like, you know, hit the enemies in true. some uh, surprising way, but it's not that hard in, no. in that game. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it'd be that bad, but uh, mm-hmm. you're right. Like Tactica is definitely much better for that. Oh, speaking of Tactica, Garrett, before we, you know, start clearing the dungeon, uh, did you get a chance yeah. to play it this week? Yeah, I played a few hours of it. So yeah. what do you think? So far? Um, I'm curious. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty good. It's uh, Mario plus Rabbits Persona yeah, Edition. Like exactly <laughs> what I said. Yeah, it's, like they're like, so, hey, we like Mario, this Mario Rabbits game is pretty fun. Let's just do that. They literally saw Mario plus Rabbits. Like, let's make a clone of that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's no joke like that. Um, there's a little bit of differences, I would say, in the way you uh, attack these enemies, yeah. um, because you kind of want to make sure you down them in some form or fashion to get an extra in action because uh, that'll kind of like make or break your combo moves and everything. So there's a lot more combo based stuff going on within the <laughs> game, which is pretty solid. I've only done like the first part, like the tutorial part. Okay. Um, and so you've like the first few people uh, within that game. So, um, but it's uh yeah, it's pretty solid so far. Uh, I have nothing nice. to complain about. About that That's game, it. So. I'm glad you're enjoying it so far. I know you were looking forward to it as well. And again, like after mm-hmm. I talked about it, you know, on Xbox Drive this week and then on the show last week, like, yeah, th- that game, very, very, very solid. I'm so glad I got a chance to kind of play it ahead of time because it, mm-hmm. it's very, very good. So mm-hmm. there you go. But anyways, let's clear the dungeon so we can get to the raid boss as quickly as possible. So folks at home, if you want to support the show, there's a number of awesome ways to do that. Number one, if you're watching live stream right now, we're at youtube.com slash carpool gaming. Or if you're watching the video on demand later, don't forget to hit that like button. Maybe, you know, slightly tap that subscribe button if you haven't subscribed to us already. And then let us know in the comments below what you think about Valkyria Chronicles. Was it worth sacrificing the sequel to Skies of Arcadia? for bringing mm. Valkyria Chronicles into existence. We'll talk about that a little bit later at the show, ladies mm. and gentlemen. Um, let us know in the comments below because we would love to hear from you. Also, if you're listening on audio feeds, don't forget to hit that subscribe button as well if you haven't subscribed to us already. And also, you know, leave us maybe a nice Apple podcast review, maybe a, a comment over on Spotify. All those things help the show get discovered so we can bring more people into the cave with us so more of us can talk about Xenoblade Chronicles 3 or other RPGs <laughs> of some sort. Um, also, if you want one big podcast feed with the entire Carpool Gaming cinematic universe on it, head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Carpool Gaming, just like Marebrood did at the gold level. And Nonos, of course, joining at the exclusive tier. Now, Nonos, interestingly, did the seven-day free trial, Garrett, of the exclusive tier, um, but then decided, cool. you know what? We had a lot of great exclusive content. They're just going to keep going and keep rolling oh, on awesome. in past the trial. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So huge thank you, of course, to Mare Brood and Nonos, and of course, all of our patrons. Y'all rock. And uh, 
yeah, other than that, Garrett, it is time to read from the sacred texts because it's time for it. another episode of Garrett's RPG backlog journey. Uh, as I we've, as you've completed another game that I've assigned you, of course. I'm proud of myself, actually, Ryan. I just want to pat myself on the back here. Yeah, I, I, I have been three backlog games uh, yes. assigned by Ryan Turford, and yes. feeling pretty good. Yeah, good. so folks at home, if you're new to the show, maybe, and you're not sure how this works, um, Garrett has uh, humbly requested that I continue to assign him games in a perpetual backlog of old games that he's never played before um, in order to experience classic RPGs in all the best ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the ent- end of the episode, uh, y'all actually get to hear what game is on ne- next on yes. the docket for Garrett, because... Uh, uh, I've got I've got a one that's close to Ryan Tufford's heart that I want Garrett to play. And we'll, we'll talk about that at the end of the show. But of course, whenever this happens, uh, we obviously want to do an episode kind of centered around that. And tonight we're going to do an episode all about Valkyria Chronicles. Um, this was, of course, out on the PlayStation 3. But of course, there's a remastered version on mm-hmm. PlayStation, on Switch, on PC. No Xbox for whatever no reason. Xbox. Yeah. Um, they did, you know, Valkyria Chronicles 4 on Xbox around the same yeah, time, but just not the remaster, which I don't get why they did that, but whatever. Yeah, so yeah, so Valkyria Chronicles 1 remaster came out, I think, in 2017 or 2016, somewhere around there, because I remember I'm, getting I think it so too. Uh, for the PS4 version. It was before the Switch came out, or very close to it. And then Valkyria Chronicles 4 came out in 2019. I specifically remember that because I did get it on Switch and played it for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so to, to, you know, hop in here, Garrett, I looked it up. Yeah. 2016 is when it came. The remaster came to PlayStation 4. Right. And then it I came to deal. Switch in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, there was also a Windows non-remastered version of the game, which also came out in 2014 as well. Wow, that's that's an interest. That's a deep cut. A Windows yeah. version of this game. So it's it's. I mean, it's on Microsoft platform, but yeah, I Xbox well, and Valkyria Chronicles Four came out the same year as Valkyria Chronicles Remastered on Switch, so 2018 I as see. well. Uh, um, I see. I see. In fact, fun fact about that game, Garrett, it came out on Google Stadia in 2020. So that was a, it was a game on Google Stadia at one point. That's around. an interesting pull. Yeah, yeah. everyone remembers good old Stadia. I mean, it's almost as good as when service. you get to brag about a series making an appearance on Engage, Garrett, because Engage was a, a you know a console that lasted you know like six months. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, it had Tomb Raider, the Angel of Darkness on it. So clearly it had things going for it. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Good, uh, good repertoire right there. And the only portable, portable exclusive Elder Scrolls game on that console. What was it? It it was just it it was just called the Elder Scrolls. Scrolls. It was just called the Elder Scrolls. And it was like an exclusive Elder Scrolls title exclusively for Engage, because, of course, there was. But, of course uh, there was. Anyways, Garrett, it's time to dive into fun facts because, you know, I it's one of those facts. things where um, we're going to, you know, we're going to talk about Valkyria Chronicles, the first game. But of course, I'm going to, you yeah. know, pepper in some stuff about it. Of course, um, Sean asks the question, by the way, this week. And of course, thank you for bringing this up in the chat, Sean. Um, what is a Valkyria? Curia? That's because a good question. That was one of Sean's questions. We'll get into that in yes, this we episode. Will. 
But first, before we do that, let's hop into fun facts. So first off, the concept for Valkyria Chronicles was first pitched in 2003 as two Sega employees. <laughs> so old. Should- <laughs> Shuntaro Tanaka and Ryotu Nonaka were brainstorming brand new game ideas. Now, the reason why these two you know, figureheads are pretty important, uh, Tanaka-san mm-hmm. is the director of Valkyria Chronicles, and then Nonaka-san is the, the producer of the game. But both okay. of them had worked together before on the Sakura Wars series, as well as Skies of Arcadia. Like, at the time when they were brainstorming ideas, um, Nonaka-san was working on... Um, a different game called Nightshade, while Tanaka-san was working on a port of Skies of Arcadia for GameCube. Like that was when Interesting. Yeah. Um, this was kind of all taking place. Um, and in fact, you know, when they were, the reason why they were brainstorming ideas was originally Tanaka-san was, went to Sega and was like, hey, maybe we do a, maybe we do a sequel to this Skies of Arcadia game. And they were like, nah. We, it didn't sell that well on the Dreamcast, and uh, we don't know how this okay. game, well, this GameCube version is going to pan out. So uh, we want you to work well, on something else. They, they released two systems that didn't really sell too much, I guess, yeah. relative speaking. Now on the PS, if it wasn't on the PS2, then well, that's going to be rough for, for yeah, a like especially for RPGs just in general. Like the yeah. GameCube just wasn't really known as a role-playing yeah, game sure. system. Same with the original Xbox was in the same boat where like, Oh yeah. The PS2 definitely. was really where all the RPGs went mainly because the GameCube, well, as much as people love the GameCube nowadays, um, it wasn't, it was kind of the console in second place, barely above Xbox. And it didn't really sell super well in Japan. Um, which is part of the reason why it didn't have like a huge lineup of games when you actually compare it to the other two consoles. I, I remember, yeah, that specifically when I was a kid too, like I got a GameCube, but there wasn't like too many other people getting GameCubes yeah. compared to people getting Nintendo 64s at the time. Um, yeah, just yeah. for whatever reason, like there was, it was Nintendo had a hard time getting people to hop onto GameCube. Of course, you know, it wasn't as big of a failure as something like Wii U was, but it also right. wasn't the smash success that people think of the GameCube as nowadays, because I guess um, that like I've, I'm finding at least and I don't know if you're finding this too, Garrett, when you watch a lot of, you know, YouTubers or other podcasters now, like There's a, some you're revisionist seeing a lot more history people, going on. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you're just finding people who grew up with the GameCube. So that's true. That's there's true. they, yeah. they kind of have the nostalgia glasses a little bit on when when talking about the GameCube as, you know, the greatest system ever made. And I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know about that. Like probably, <laughs> even when you compare it amongst Nintendo consoles, it's still definitely probably. But not they got the, the small best. discs, the mini yeah. discs. <laughs> wow, is legit. Yeah, 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 yeah. But anyways, going back to Valkyria Chronicles because we got off topic. So originally, the game was actually targeting release on the PlayStation Two or mm. the PSP. They weren't really sure where they wanted to put valkyria chronicles um because because you know tanaka-san he saw the prototype for the psp and he's like oh this is pretty cool like i would love to maybe make a game for the psp um but once sega caught wind of what the ps3 was going to look like uh nanaka-san was the one that actually pitched the idea of making the valkyria chronicles specifically for playstation 3 because that would allow them to have the extra horsepower needed Mm -hmm. to really power the vision that they had for the game because they wanted to do something very different from Sakura Wars or from Skies of Arcadia um, and just from a lot of other JRPGs out there. And they wanted to make like this war story that was very dramatic and stuff like that, which is kind of what we get with Valkyria Chronicles. Although it's more of like an sure. anime take on a dramatic war story. But it's, you know, that's kind of what the idea is they're going for. It's not Valiant mm-hmm. Hearts or something like that. It's not that. Serious, no, 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 it's not. But, 
but still serious enough anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, now, interestingly enough, Garrett, Valkyria Chronicles was originally started off as a top-down strategy RPG that was grid-based. But wow. Nan- <laughs> but Nanakasan actually felt that when they were developing the game that you know, since they wanted to tell this dramatic war story where you really connect with the characters. So if something, you know, happened to one of the characters, like if they died or something like that, you'd feel like the emotional weight of the characters. But he felt like if with the top down view, you weren't really getting you weren't really emotionally vested in the characters. So um, what that's how they just came up with the idea of like, you know, they tried a bunch of different things and that's how they actually came up with the concept of you know, having kind of the overhead map, but then when you select a unit, you then zoom down into third person mode mm-hmm. and then t- take control of the character. Like that's mm-hmm. where that concept came from, which was a you know a brand new thing at the time because a lot of strategy role playing games really weren't doing this kind of thing. They were right. all grid based or top down in some way. They weren't doing what this game was doing. Yeah, I think it was really this one and then it maybe XCOM was in that line as well, right? Or is XCOM more isometric as the well? The old to- old XCOM games were all isometric. I see. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So this is one of the first that really like did a third person view uh yeah. for a strategy role playing game. Interesting. Cool. Yeah, for sure. Um also you know some fun facts about some of the mechanics that we'll we'll dive into a little bit later. Uh the AP system in the game, this was designed to emulate the soldier's fear. Where like, you know, fear of, you know, getting killed or getting caught around the corner, like that's where they came up with the idea of the kind of the AP system for each character. Mm-hmm. And also they came up with the class based leveling system for the game and kind of designed it the way they did specifically to due to the permadeath system. And they didn't want to like bog the player down with a bunch of different choices, but it was also mm-hmm. to encourage you to just bring different units in with you. So like you yeah. never felt like you brought just your favorites because that's kind of the trap that a lot of other strategy role-playing games kind of run into is like you just bring your favorite squad and that's all you bring with you the whole time. Whereas they mm-hmm. wanted to inc- find a way to encourage you to like switch up your units every once in a while, of course. Um, and then finally, the game, of course, launched in Japan on the PlayStation 3 on April 24th, 2008, with a North American release later that year on November 4th. Of course, it was followed up by three sequels and a spinoff, which we'll talk about later in the show because the game on PlayStation 3 was very popular because at the yes. time it came out, there wasn't a lot to play on the PlayStation 3. Like the PlayStation 3 was very much still trying to foot it, find its footing in 2008. Um, oh, really? Okay, you know, yeah. you, you had some some good games come to PlayStation 3 in 2007, but 2007 in a lot of ways was like the year of the 360 because even though it really was <laughs> we even though we got Bioshock eventually on PlayStation 3 like that didn't come until like a year and a half later because that was you know kind of like a 360 exclusive at the time you know same mm-hmm. with stuff like Mass Effect and and yes. all those other big games from 2007 well those were all Xbox games or there a lot of the big games from that year were also on the Wii um mm-hmm. so PlayStation 3 just didn't have a ton of games on it, especially role-playing games. So Valkyria Chronicles felt like a a breath of fresh air because it really kind of kicked off a lot of third-party role-playing games coming to the console. So Mm -hmm. That's interesting because PlayStation 3 came out 2006. Yeah. Um, Well, the end of 2006, though. End of 2006, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, the games that we had in 2006, like, none of them were role-playing games. We eventually got Folklore, I think, a month or two later, like that was the first mm. big role playing game we had on uh, the PlayStation three. But otherwise, it was mostly like Resistance Fall of Man 
or, you know, other stuff like that. Like we didn't have like a, like there wasn't a ton of role-playing games even on the console. So yeah, this was kind of, this kind of kicked off because I remember at the time when I got a PlayStation 3, Garrett, and I was really Mm -hmm. looking for RPGs, like Valkyria Chronicles was one of the only choices at the time to kind of pick Mm -hmm. up. Which was interesting, yeah, yeah, yeah. but also one like I, you know, I saw amazing reviews for, and I was like, "Yes, please sign me up. I will definitely check this one out." So I actually played this one when it came out. Um, like oh, that was okay. kind of my yeah. first exposure to Valkyria Chronicles. Whereas obviously, I would normally ask when when you first played it, but obviously, it was it was now. Obviously, you mentioned, but previously that you had picked it up a couple times and never really got. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, I, I picked it up uh, actually when the PS4 release. Uh, came out in 2016. I, I still have my special edition right over here, um, Steelbook, and I really wanted to play it during that time. I just never had the time, and then I just kind of forgot about it, and then I did pick it up on Steam on a sale, I'm sure, for like three or four bucks because it was, you know, it gets super cheap now. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I got it on my, uh, you know, on Steam, and then I played all of it just recently on my Steam Deck, perfectly flawlessly so much it's so light actually it's very efficient on the steam deck i'm sure it plays very well on switch too because it is a a light game now um running it on those platforms so yeah yeah i I think it i think it actually does run at 60 on switch just like it does the other yeah i think so yeah definitely so yeah so now that i've got fun facts out of the way garrett I want to yes. hear from you before we go any further with into the, you know, the story or the mechanics or anything mm-hmm. else. I want to know from you, man, your top level thoughts. What did you think about going back to Valkyria Chronicles, you know, so many years later? Because, because mm-hmm. you know, like you said, you got it when the remaster came out. That was 2016. So almost like, like uh, I don't know, like seven or eight years seven ago year, at this point. Seven, seven years now yeah uh it's kind of crazy uh so yeah my overall thoughts so i i played it i beat it it took me 35 36 hours uh which is about the same ish that's kind of within the hour range of playtime. uh you would finish it i kind of mainlight it except for the end uh of this game um at, at first, I was like, "Okay, this is a really cool new mechanic. It's it's kind of uh, it's 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 a mix of action based and turn based for sure. It's very yeah. it's a very involved strategic strategy role playing game where there is turns, um, but when you're within the turn, you are going in and you're like within the action. You're moving your character. You're going up. You're uh, making sure you're not dying uh, from the enemies shooting bullets at you." Um, and then try to figure out like what's the best course of action uh, throughout the battle. Um, yeah, that that was cool at first, and then I kind of uh, in the middle of it, there's just some missions that are just so rough. They're, yeah. they're, they are they are rough. There there's like uh, particularly one chapter, chapter eight, that was like I had no idea what's going on, and then I would say the last three chapters were like by far like. No, I'm not. I I was thinking to myself, I'm not having fun with this game on yeah. these last three missions, and so I decided to just look up and kind of figure out what other people did in these side uh, last three missions. And um, I've realized that the you know to to the game's detriment, you kind of have to be on top of the rankings of the missions. Cause so every time you beat a mission, there's like kind of a grade 
like <clears throat> uh, Metal Gear Solid or whatever. Um, and if you get a rank A or the highest one, um, you get extra points to buff up and power up your tanks and your soldiers for the next mission. I got a lot of D's because you know I I I'm a I'm a particular person that takes their time with mm-hmm. a certain battle. I don't like to take like two turns and and boom I, I I'm done with the game. I like to be very strategic or whatever. But to, to my because of my playstyle, I did not get a lot of points powering up my soldiers. So by the end of the game, I was I didn't have like strong enough people in order to like really beat the last mission. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was pretty bad. Um, so I just looked up uh, a couple of just cheap tricks to do, and that's how I just beat the game. Uh, yeah. Some some cheap tricks. So, anyways. Yeah, yeah, because you have to go back and grind a little bit um, for, you do. for those yeah. grades and stuff. And it actually is a lot easier to get those extra grades once you've powered up your troops by playing the later levels um, mm-hmm. versus trying to go for the A's right away every single time. So like, oh, okay. It, okay. It, it tries to encourage you to go back and do the older missions again because it just makes them easier to get through. But you're mm-hmm. right. like that, It's one of those mechanics that like, you know, I, I definitely understood where the development team was going with the level system. But mm-hmm. you're right, Garrett, like that. I remember, too, the first time I played it, that also was very frustrating for me because I also like I didn't get D's on all the missions, but I also wasn't powered up uh, up enough either to kind of get through it. So I had to like go back and try mm-hmm. and, you know, like redo all the old missions again to power up my guys, which yeah, is not something yeah, I yeah. love. But that's just sometimes that's just the product of old game design, which I, I it definitely got better with the sequels like Valkyria mm-hmm. Chronicles 4 the leveling system is much better in that game where, okay, you know, it's, cool. it's, it's a much easier to, you know, get through that game. Um, there are obviously t- still tough levels, but it's not like you're not bashing your head against the wall because your character is just, you didn't level them enough. Um, although you do, right. you just have to grind a little bit in that game, but it's not nearly as bad as the first one. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I think it's a solid game mechanic. I think, uh, I was give you my overall thoughts right now solid game mechanic i think it's the moment to moment play the battling system of this game can be rough because there can be a point where like you're going around a corner and there's just three guys just shooting at you and you have no idea if they're there or not sometimes you really don't and then your 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 guy just dies like in an instant. You don't have a chance to move back. You don't have a chance to you know figure it out or whatever. You're just that that character's dead. And I'm just like, well, okay, that's that's the end of that character. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's actually just I think that's just part of the mechanics too. They just wanted is, you yeah. to to feel you know that certain that that uncertainty when you go into enemy territory or whatever. Um, but it was kind of frustrating when. You know, I try to be strategic and then that just happens. I'm like, Ugh, OK, um, I think uh, the other thing is I do like, um, you know, when you go into a map, it's it's a huge map and the mini map does a pretty good job of telling you um, where things are, but not like deliberately telling you 100 percent of what's going on. There might be a soldier here. There might be a soldier there. Okay. The sound is like moving a tank. Oh, the sound is like a soldier running on foot, but you don't know where they are. Um, I think that was actually kind of cool. Um, I was like, okay, I got to like use process of elimination or some inferences like, okay, there might be two or three soldiers, you know, 
like in that tree over there. I just don't know. Um, you can use like area effects of like grassland to like crawl and, and sneak up behind enemies. And um, there's actually, you know, certain secret areas in these levels where you there's some vulnerabilities of the enemy. It's like, <laughs> you know, they try to get you the upper hand. But if you figure it out. Um, you can kill that sniper that's on the hill. You can destroy that tank with a, you know, uh, or that anti-tank cannon or whatever on the hill, you know, the stuff like that. So I think that was pretty cool of, of like the level design of the game. There was just cool exploration in each level. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like I love how big the, the, the maps just are like you, you have like a lot of yeah. expiration to your point where and, and and unlike a lot of other strategy role playing games, like it always feels like there's kind of like an optimal path of where you're supposed yes, to go. There is. Whereas in this game, like it almost feels like you can go in like two or three different directions in some levels and like still yeah. get it through to the end and have it be totally fine. So I like mm-hmm. that how how different it was where, where you're not like forced to use one strategy the whole time but obviously you know if you're trying to you know get the the game at like the optimal rating of course you know there is like a specific way you're supposed to do it but yes i like definitely. the flexibility there while you're just playing through the game mm-hmm. so yeah that's my overall thoughts i think the story was solid yeah. actually i i commend on the story for not being over the top not being mm-hmm. too crazy too complicated it is it is a straightforward story for for a Japanese role playing game, I'm kind of surprised how tamed the storyline was. Yeah. It's like there's a beginning, there's a middle, there's an end, there's a climax, there's a resolution, and I was like, "That is awesome! Thank you yeah. so much!" And they they really just tried to make it feel like just a fantasy version of World War II. Like that's that's just what they, they were going did. for, and that's yeah. literally what they did with this mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So yeah. So there you go. So obviously the story, as I mentioned, you know, it's a it's a fantasy World War Two. You know, you've got these two warring nations that are fighting over this natural resource um, and all the little kind of neutral countries are kind of caught in the middle. Um, mm. And it's just yeah, it's like a really interesting story where you've got, you know, the these Valkyries that are kind of the like the almost like the one man armies for each of mm-hmm. the for each of the nations and stuff like that, which I think is pretty cool. And that's kind of where they bring in kind of the anime, very anime elements. But otherwise it just, to your point, Gary, just felt like a really down to earth story. And it was really like focused on like the main squad that you kind of have and kind of getting to know them. Um, And of course it makes it even sadder when, you know, members of your squad get killed because that's just part of war, which is, which is just interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. I I just want to let you know, I didn't particularly care for the AP system or, the likes and dislikes of these soldiers. I was just like, yeah, man, whatever. Like uh, I'm just sending in a tank, uh, uh, a, you know, a tank or a Lancer or, uh, you know, a shock trooper or whatever. I, I just didn't, you didn't really... want to know which characters like fishing Garrett. Come on. Well, man. I had one person that fancies men and fancies women. And let me tell you that, that person had a lot of power ups. <laughs> During the battle, oh my God, Garrett, <laughs> I, was so, I was like so. It was so funny because I would just like use this character, and then the potential would go. I was like, "Fancies men," and then he speeds up. Fancies women, and <laughs> speeds up even more. It was, it was pretty funny. Well, actually. don't don't ask him to make a choice, Garrett. It's fine. He likes mm-hmm. both. Just let him yeah. let him be him. Okay. Now, I'm, I, I'm empowering him because uh, yeah. you know he 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 became more buff now. Yeah. Um, I have to say the last boss battle is, it's a pretty bad one. 
Ryan. Yeah. This is this is a not a good boss battle at all. There are definitely worse boss battles in role playing games, but this one's up there with some of the worst. Yeah. It, the it wouldn't be. I I think it wouldn't be as bad if he continued healing. Right. Like if if there was just like every other turn he healed. That I think I would be a little bit better by that. But the fact that this boss can heal every time it's like well okay i gotta go in and like defeat this guy in one turn then or Mm. else i'm not gonna have a chance again because he'll just keep weakening my army or whatever and my army is like the strongest in the beginning of the battle so i might as well just you know go for it you know Mm -hmm. so that that was one thing i think the other thing that really caught me was I, I, I think I mentioned it. It's just, there's just too much. I don't know when they're sh- they can shoot me. Yeah. You can't really tell the range. Like you, you yeah. can assume if like, if it's a sniper, you're going up so that, that they have like farther range than the other troops. But yeah, you're right. Like you don't really know that they can shoot you until they s- start shooting you. Yeah. So you yeah. kind of so have to this, gauge it. The scouts and shock troopers can shoot you. The tanks can shoot you with the turrets. Um, it's just hard to like know when exactly they can or where exactly they can hit you. They don't yeah. give you quite as much feedback or information on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, think you can't really see the field yeah. of vision of the, the enemies either. So like, no, you can't at all. So you're just like, mm-hmm. Oh, well I'll hop around the corner and hopefully he, he's not looking at me. Oh, he's looking at me and I'm dead. So, mm-hmm. all right, I yeah. guess moving on to another character, I guess. Uh, shout out to the snipers for a headshotting all the time. I really enjoyed snipers in this game. Yeah. Um, I, of course, they had to have limited ammo and limited movement, but that's okay. He could shoot from afar. It was it was actually not bad. But I like um, the idea and, that like yeah. a lot of the maps had like stations where you could resupply. Like you had the ability to resupply your ammo at least a little bit. Yeah, game. yeah. The ability to resupply. Also, if there's like let's say you captured another base you have an opportunity to retreat soldiers from the first base, like kind of just like bring them in and then you can spawn them in the other base. And it's right. a means of travel, a means of just, you know, sending them into to the yeah. other side of the map. Or likewise, if you've got characters that are like low on ammo and you want to switch them out with the other characters, you can do that too. Like that's yeah. one, of the, the, one of the cool things. So yeah, like I like that aspect as well. Where it's mm-hmm. the, just, Cause it, it almost felt like, you know, even your characters that were on the bench were important. Like you weren't yes. like you weren't forced to just use the characters there or likewise, like if you're doing like not so well in a battle, like capturing another base and then being able to spawn new troops there actually like really helped in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Like helped get there was, through some tough battles. Yeah. And then there was a couple missions at the end before the boss battle. Um, your main character. So you can't let the main character die. The, of course. Um, you know, with the tank. Mm-hmm you're clearly in a stationary position where if you don't move it the next turn, that tank will die or very close to dying. Um, especially the one with like the tank boss. Like if you do not move your main character right then and there, you're, you're done. You're, you're yeah. kind of just like in game and just like, yeah, this is not fun. <laughs> and the best part <laughs> about it, sense. Garrett is moving a tank requires, you know, multiple, like CP points. Yes. So it's just like multiple so it, turn. Yeah. Yeah. CP points. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So it's, it just makes it even more annoying where it's like, okay, I need to conserve my resources even more because I can barely move my other troops because I have to move this gosh darn tank out of the way. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't get blown up by these other dudes that are good at blowing up tanks. 
Yeah, yeah. Outside the battles, you have the headquarters, um, which you're able to spend re- uh, experience points on leveling up your classes, which is very important to power up your different classes, uh, your scouts and shock troopers, stuff like that. And then you also have, I don't know what they called, but I think it's DCT or something like that. Whatever the the points to research your uh, enhanced weapons, grenades, I- body armor and then also the tanks and their upgrades um and then there was this one thing that i didn't really know and i missed this is a missed opportunity again for me you going to the war cemetery and if you go to the war cemetery there's this old guy that's there that teaches you um orders and these orders can be used as special abilities in your battles it costs like some amount of CP points, and then you can let's say raise attack, or raise defense on a soldier or whatever. And then so, but these orders that this old guy uh, comes out offers them at random. They're yeah. not like you don't oh, get to pick. <laughs> you don't get to pick. It's not like a shopping or merchant. It's like I can give you this one potential order for this amount of points. I didn't catch on with this guy until very late in the game. So I did not have really much diversity of orders. And then when I was looking up the forums, I'm like, how do I beat this last boss? It's like, oh, you need this specific order and this specific order. (laughs) I'm like, well, I'm screwed now because I don't have those. Um, But anyways, I I, I got it through without those orders. So that's good. It's fine. Yeah, that's good. Um, before you get any further, Garrett, I know you were talking about the story a couple seconds ago and I forgot yeah, sure. to bring this in. Savoy Prime has a specific question about the story for you. So Savoy Prime asks, uh, Garrett, what was your favorite part or story moment of Valkyria Chronicles? Mm. Uh, so I think it has to do with, um, I forgot the name of the character. Um, I, I don't want to spoil too much, actually. Right. Um, so I'll, I'll be very, uh, light about it. There's this, um, ra- there's this other race called the Darkson. Um, mm-hmm. so like ancient battles, the Darkson and Valkyria were facing off each other. Valkyria won and kind of revised history and kind of made the Darksons inferior, similar to the Jews in World War II. It's kind of like <laughs> pretty know, much, pretty, pretty much exact copy of that. Um, you have a character in your army um that is darkson and uh she develops a there's this other uh person in in your party i think it's rosie the red hair singer um she really hates darksons like like i don't know just because of the preconceived you know i you know knowledge that she kind of just learned and grew up with like darksons are bad they're evil or you know they're rough or whatever um so she initially hated this person, this darkside person in the party, and they grew up to really like have a strong bond with each other, and it's just like that's really cool uh, to see. And uh, you got to play the game in order to like. I think that was the best part of the game is that relationship right there. So nice. Yeah. You know. For a second there, I was worried that you're going to be like. So I was playing the DLC and noticed there was a beach mission where you go to the beach and all the characters what? are wearing bikinis and that's a thing because that's a thing in this game, Garrett, because that was a piece of DLC that they had that they, that's included in the remastered version. Nice. Because of course it is. Because nice. it's an anime-based video game of co- or anime-style video game. Anime. Of course there's a beach, a beach mission where you're just 
on the Do beach. they just run around Shanghai. with guns in a bathing suit? Is no, there's no happens? combat. It's it's just a chapter where, you know, they, it, with cut scenes where they're on the beach. Like oh, hitting course. a watermelon with a stick and stuff. Okay, <laughs> then. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. It's, it, it's the fencer. But it's okay. Like if Sean Capri was here, he'd understand. He would understand. But, uh, <laughs> anyways, getting back to uh, mechanics. Of course, you explained you know how your characters level up and stuff like that. Um, one of the things I I loved about playing this game was also how you would be a little bit a bit aggressive with some of your characters because you have CP points, and in most. You know, strategy role-playing games, like every character on your team kind of gets a, a turn and then the enemies get a turn. Mm-hmm. But I yeah. like the idea that you can spend the CP points however you want. So if you want, you can just spend them all on one of your characters if you mm-hmm. if they're in like a really advantageous position to take out a bunch of troops. And then you can kind of like play with the strategy that way. So I liked how that played into the, the combat in the game and how mm-hmm. it, it almost felt kind of freeform in a way where even though, again, like there's kind of like the optimal way of doing things, but like, I like how much you could experiment in this game. Like that was my, one of my favorite things about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and I also think it's interesting. There's like some diminishing returns with that. Cause if you keep using that character, it, the, um, like the movement bar goes significantly down. Yeah. Like, like more and more and more. So you can't really go too much farther. After that, and it costs, you know, a lot of CP points compared to if you move other troops. Uh, but yeah, as you said, if you're in in an advantageous position with one character, you can just go for it. I, I did that yeah. for like one Lancer and just like went from one tank to the next, just shooting right behind uh, the vulnerable point of the tank. Yeah. And it's uh, it's it feels really nice when you take down a lot of tanks like that. Yeah. Like you really have to take advantage of that in like the battles where they're tank heavy, where you mm-hmm. kind of have to, you know, use some of your troops in that way. Or if there's just a lot of troops, like maybe you use like your, um, like your shock troopers instead to kind of go in there and, you know, clean mm-hmm. them up a little bit. Like I, again, I liked that level of like uh, how that played into the strategy a little bit with that game. Like mm-hmm. that's one of the things that's always kind of impressed me about this game a lot, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Um, also just the aiming itself. Like I love how, like the, the third person shooting style, uh, of the aiming, but also it almost feels turn-based where you're kind of like lining up the shot and then deciding whether you're going to risk it and go for the headshot to try and kill them as quickly as yeah. possible, or you go for like the other body parts. Like, even though you're doing less damage, at least you'll know you'll hit them. Like I like yeah. how that played into yeah. it a little bit too. Yeah. I guess it's kind of a big, like it can be a big like area hit. Uh, yeah. So you can center up in the as a headshot, and it actually gives you feedback on how many shots it takes to kill a soldier, depending <laughs> on where you hit. Like if you hit the head, it's much less, but you hit anywhere else, it's much more. And then it also tells you how many shots you have with the soldier. So shock troopers have like twenty, and like scouts have ten, and and something like that. So. Uh, it, it tells you, it's like, hey, you have a high chance of like killing the soldier, a very low chance of or none at all. It's like, OK, you'll you'll weaken this enemy, but not yeah. kill them. Yeah, at, at least it's not like uh, in, in a lot of ways, like I felt it was safer to, you know, take more chances versus something like XCOM, where XCOM, you you know, it's like it says 85 percent hit. But I know dang well, it's going to all those shots are going to miss. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just yeah. going to come up with the 15 percent every single time for mm-hmm. whatever reason. So, mm-hmm. yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But yeah, overall, I really like the, the 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 combat in this game. Yes. To your point, Garrett, it can be kind of like 
unbalanced at times, but I like kind of the, 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 the variety of different missions, like some of the Mm -hmm. different, like the different terrains you go to, like sometimes you're on the beach or sometimes you're in the forest or the swamp and stuff like that. Like I like all the different locales you go to. Um, Mm -hmm. And overall, I just think it's mechanically a pretty solid game. And it's definitely one that I think improved more with the sequels, um, especially Mm -hmm. four. Like I think four is actually a very solid game. Um, well, you can definitely tell like they were on to something with this first game, even though it's not perfect. Um, I do feel like it was very refreshing at the time. Um, and we've seen just a lot of other tactical games really kind of borrow elements from this game, you know, mm. in the future. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do have to say I did enjoy this game up until the very end. I think yeah. it just had some pacing issues. And then like there was just some stuff I'm like, you man. I have to break, I have to literally break this game in order to like get past the mission. There's the tank boss. And then of course you have to face the Valkyria uh, on the other side or Valkyrie or whatever. Um, And then the final boss, those are the three. I was just like, I don't know what to do um, much at all. Cause you're going to destroy me if I try (laughs) any other strategy. Um, But yeah, it, it's a. Uh, I, I think other than that, I I did like the skirmish battles because uh, it felt like you know I'm just pushing along. I'm I I, I do like um it, it, as you can tell my play style is like I like to be strategic. I like to right. plan it out. I don't want to figure out a cool new strategy that takes two turns or one turn or whatever. I I like to take thirty turns and right. and kind of just slowly move uh and advance forward. So. And that's why I like Fire Emblem, you know, because, you know, you can take how many turns you want with with those soldiers and like go one by one. Um, But yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Very other than that, very solid game for sure. Nice. So then, Garrett, I have to ask the question because, you know, there might be a lot of people who are listening to this that have never played Valkyria Chronicles before, which, you know, I think we both like the game, even though it's got some problems. Um, But what do you think to this question do you think it's worth going back to this game in 2023 if you've never played Valkyria Chronicles before? Mm, that's a good question. I think um, I first think, you know, if you're into strategy role playing games, then I think you owe it to yourself to try it out at okay. least um, I, I, because you're familiar with uh, what a strategy role playing game is, you know, how to, sh- you know, you go from character to character and you can figure out all the nuances all the different things that valkyria chronicles has to offer and you know you can get through the game pretty well i think you pretty smoothly um if you're not into strategy role-playing games i would hesitate to recommend this as your first role-playing game just because yeah. the mechanics are just a little dated as i said the pacing can be a little off in you know, it, it may not be friendly to newer uh, users. And so I would try something. I would say, again, Mario plus Rabbids is a fantastic uh, first go at it. I would say Fire Emblem at the easier difficulties with uh, casual mode on. Perfect way of, uh, you know, trying to figure out if you're into strategy role playing games. And let's say you're really into those and, and you like those and you want something more action-oriented, then I would try... Is I would say, yeah, you can go ahead and try Valkyria Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one, There's it's so cheap. 
I see I see it for like three bucks. I was just going to say it goes on sale on Switch or PSN all the time for under five Canadian dollars quite often. So. Yeah, um, I, I think, yeah, it, it's an easy get to to grab and, and try it out and see for yeah. yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I agree with you, Garrett. Like, I feel like this isn't like an introductory strategy role playing game. Like this is no. an RP, uh, a strategy role playing game for someone who's like who's like like an intermediate one, like someone who's been playing these games for a while and wants like a, a deeper challenge or wants mm-hmm. um, something with some interesting strategy or something that's like completely different from your traditional fire emblems or, you know, shining force. Cause again, like this is a very unique game. Like there are not a lot of other strategy role-playing games like this, which was the main reason I actually wanted Garrett to go back and play mm-hmm. it. Cause um, it's very different from a lot of other games out there. And it's just, it's cool to just play something unique like this. Um, mm-hmm. And honestly, I don't know if we'll get something like this again. In fact, actually, I would say to people that are brand new, since the games don't, the game stories don't really connect together. Like I actually would almost recommend Xeno, uh, sorry, uh, Valkyria Chronicles 4 over yeah, yeah, the first one, one mm-hmm. because I do think mechanically it's much better. Um, and I, and it's on all the modern consoles, including Xbox. So you can definitely play it on Xbox. Um, mm-hmm. and I think it's actually a very, very solid game. It's, it's like one of the best role playing games that came out in 2018. So I actually cool. think it's pretty good, but, cool. um, there you go. That's of course, I want to quickly touch on the other Valkyrie Chronicle games before we kind of wrap up this conversation, <laughs> of course, because we did, as I mentioned, it did get multiple sequels. So of course, um, Valkyrie Chronicles two and three, we never got, or sorry, we got two in North America, um, but we never got Valkyrie Chronicles three. Um, both of those, both of those were on the PSP, only the PSP. Oh man, no other consoles, uh, and it did not work out that well there, Garrett. Because as you can imagine, trying to aim in third person on the PSP um, without two analog sticks feels really weird, and mm-hmm. just like all those other third person and first person shooters we got on the PSP. This one did not feel great to play either, which is too bad. Why did they? I'm curious why they did this. So I I was reading up about it and it was mostly uh, Tanaka-san, who I had mentioned previously, he wanted to do his PSP game. Like that's he really pushed for Valkyria Chronicles 2 to be on the PSP for Mm -hmm. whatever reason. Like he just he just really wanted to do a PSP game. And this and Sega wanted him to do Valkyria Chronicles 2 because the first one was actually a pretty big success. Like um, it was it didn't sell amazingly well, but it also sold like uh, like went way over what they were expecting it to sell. So um, because as I mentioned, it was there weren't a lot of other role playing games on the PS3 at the time to really choose from. Um, So he's like, man, I really want this game on the PSP. So let's just put it there. Uh, and the third one didn't come out in North America because the second one did not sell well here. So they just didn't. Yeah. It and it came out in 2011. That's like very close to PS Vita territory, you know? Yeah. It's, man, if they would have just waited until Vita, to be honest with you, that would probably be a different story because mm-hmm. uh, you got the double, uh, you know, analog sticks for that one. Yeah, it would have played so much better on Vita versus oh, the yeah, PSP. Oh, yeah, definitely. The PSP is just like it was rough. The frame rate was rough. Like it was just because it was that, still yeah. trying to do like the graphical graphical fidelity of the PS3 version, but it just the PSP was just not having it. So, um, yeah. like that, the like Valkyrie Chronicles two, I think, still reviewed well, but the third one did not. It mostly has mm. like an average of fifty on Metacritic because it, oh, okay. it was not good. was yeah. not a good game. Um, mm. And then Valkyrie Chronicles um, had a spinoff. Oh, Before gosh. we got Valkyria Chronicles 4, because we got Valkyria Revolution, Garrett. 
which was basically a Mousseau where they tried to do oh, okay. a Mousseau yeah. in the, um, the, the Valkyria Chronicles universe. It was not made by Koei Tecmo. It was actually made by Sega. Um, but it was also not very good where it also was in like the fifties on Metacritic. Where, yeah. And, yeah. I remember that coming out and not doing so hot. Yeah. It was on yeah. Xbox and PlayStation. Um, and it was not good. Um, I know that there are some people out there that have like a soft spot for that game, like Eric Landon, who's like a po- very popular um, RPG YouTuber. He mm-hmm. actually really loves that game, but there's not a lot of people that are like ride or die with uh, with Valkyria Revolution. That's not a game that people really loved. But then, of yeah. course, yeah. we had Valkyria Chronicles Four, the last game in the series, the newest game in the series come out in 2018. And as I mentioned before, I think it's I think it's actually probably my favorite of the games in the series. I think it's actually very, very solid. Um, and it's too bad. I remember playing a few hours of it, you know, a few missions at least. And it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's too bad. Cause like no one played that game either. Like it did not famously also did not sell well. Um, and that's what kind of killed the series for us where it, I don't think it ever comes back at this point. I really, okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Which makes me kind of sad. Yeah. But, uh, well, they could try something out. They could try something new. Yeah. Yeah, they could like change up the formula or do something different with it. But yeah, um, anyways, Garrett, let's get to some of these questions and then we'll we'll sure. get out of here. Let's start with Sean Capri, who asks, one, what is a Valkyria? And two, why isn't this episode about Xenoblade Chronicles? Well, clearly, Sean Capri, fake fan of the RPG cave, you know, not oh. keeping up to date um, because, Sean, if you were a real RPG cave fan, you would know that episode oh. 57 of the RPG cave was all about Xenoblade Chronicles. In fact, we um, we did an episode on Monolith Soft, the company that makes Xenoblade Chronicles. And we talked about That's Xenoblade true. Chronicles a lot on that episode. That episode that was episode nineteen, of course. And then episode fifty-seven, we did a dedicated episode just to Xenoblade Chronicles as well. Um, Question at at the time, three wasn't out, correct? Uh, it was out because we did it this, was out. We oh. did this out last summer. Ah, uh, okay, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Around that, that time. Yeah, that was actually the reason why we did that, actually, was was when, you know, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is out, and you had played it. Like, you had talked about mm. it on the show, because, like, I, w- I knew I wasn't going to play it at the time. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so um, we actually did an episode about that. So, folks at home, if you're actually um, wanting some Xenoblade talk, go back and listen to that episode, because it's a good one. And Garrett has yeah, lots yeah. to say about Xenoblade, and I have nothing to say about it, because I don't play those games. Also, I did beat Xenoblade Chronicles 3. So, Sean, I'm here. I'm waiting for you. That's I'm waiting true. for you. I'm waiting for Lockleth. I'm waiting for Amanda. Like, anytime. I, I'm ready to talk yep. all Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Yeah. Maybe I was going to say, if, I, if y'all actually wanted to do an episode in the future, just throwing this out, idea out there about yeah. Xenoblade Chronicles 3, um, y'all are welcome to do that in my absence. If, like if, if uh, they plan to finish 3, I will plan to play and beat the DLC future connected how about that that's how about that i know seth was also mentioning that too like he was he's like oh i'm gonna go back and play the dlc while you guys play the main game because i hear future connect is like the biggest fan service to xenoblade there ever was like all the daughters and then sisters and brothers of all the characters are meeting together into one party so well then you got to go back and play the other two games in order for that to make sense Hmm. I already did. I already, I already played the two games. I played yeah, but them. All the, uh, yeah, but all these people that are playing now haven't played those games. Yeah, like, they got to play all of them now. Like all yeah. all seven of them. Actually, <laughs> uh, me and Sean did, uh, we did do a Xenoblade Chronicles 1 episode together 
way back in the day. Uh, a review discussion. That was pretty fun. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. Nice. Well, next up, we got Rybo who asked the question, um, what's the deal with all these Chronicle games? Why can't we have uh, Valkyria Narrative, Valkyria Annals? Now, that would be a title. That would be a It's not really much title. of a question, more of a statement. But, mm-hmm. um, but uh, oh, so, Jarden, Jarden says they're plowing through the game and Seth is playing the DLC. As mm-hmm. I mentioned. Yeah, yeah. I'll see it when I believe it. Um, but <laughs> oh the shade. Back, to, uh, back to Sean's question, what is a Valkyria? The Valkyria is like this kind of ancient magical. It's an ancient race, and then like they have magical powers. That's like a fancy shield and a fancy lance, and they can just destroy tanks in one shot and and armies. Just just say they're magical girls, Garrett. That's that's basically what a Valkyria it is. It's a yeah, magical it's, girl. It's, it's two magical girls, basically. Basically, <laughs> in this game. Yeah, it makes sense in the story, in the context of the story. Or if you don't want to go and play this game, uh, there's also a Xeno or sorry, a, I don't keep saying Xenoblade, uh, a Valkyria Chronicles anime as well. You can go watch that, too, because they oh, actually really? tried to turn this into this big multimedia property, Garrett, because there's the anime version of, of uh, Valkyria Chronicles. There's the manga version of Valkyria mm. Chronicles, and they did that for all of the Valkyria Chronicles stories. So one through four all have their own manga series. Like there's mm. a, they, they did a lot with this property. Uh, yeah, yeah, interesting. And then last question, going back to Savoy Prime, because Savoy Prime had a non-Valkyria Chronicles question. Savoy Prime asks, do you guys think Grand Blue Fantasy Relink will be well worth the wait, despite the numerous setbacks the project has had? I'm definitely looking forward to it, but I'm also trying to get not to get too hype and keep my expectations in check. It's difficult to do, though, when all the previews have been looking so good. So, of course, we know Grand Blue Fantasy Relink coming out next year on February 1st. The, so the day before uh, Persona 3 Reload and Suicide Squad killed the Justice League, which now we got confirmation this week, Garrett. I guess Suicide Squad's coming out on February 2nd. It's, it's happening. It's a game. It's coming. It's, it's actually a game confirmed. Um, so as far as Grand Blue Fantasy Relink, I'm not worried about that game, to be honest. Like, it's possible that it's not as good as we would hope. But I also feel like that might not be due to the delays it's had. I think that might just be due to maybe the game design wasn't great to begin with, regardless of the delays or not. But to your to your point, Civil Prime, like it sounds like the from what I've heard from the previews or talking to other people who have played the demo for this game that was on, you know, was at E3 as well as other events. Like I think it was at TGS and a couple other places from everyone I've talked to who have who's put their hands on this game. Uh, it's something to look forward to because it sounds awesome. It's like yeah, yeah. People really enjoyed what they played from the demo. So like I would actually be pretty shocked at this point if this wasn't at least a 75 or higher on Metacritic when it comes out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who is the developer for this again? Uh, I'll look that up real quickly while you give your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I've I've looked at some uh, trailers and uh, some gameplay of this game it looks very solid it reminds me some up so much of that trials of mana uh game that came out uh earlier like in the past few years it yep. is just a very solid jrpg action jrpg with some class-based systems and it looks very light very floaty i it, honestly it looks really good to me mm-hmm. so, so i looked it up too. the developer was is Psygames. games for this and they've Psy games that's it yeah now they've been developing 
pretty much all the Grand Blue Fantasy games, like all the cell phone Grand Blue Fantasy games. Right. They helped out with the development of Grand Blue Fantasy Versus, although that was more Arc System Works than uh, Psy uh, Games. Um, and we do know that Platinum was working on this game um, until 2019 when they exit mm. the project. Because again, this game, to avoid Prime's point, has been in development forever. Like This is a very long in development project uh, that started a long time ago. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, something similar happened with Final Fantasy VII Remake where at, uh, most true. people don't remember like CyberConnect, the Naruto developers were developing Final Fantasy VII Remake um, and they scrapped the entire game and started over from scratch. And you know what? That game was awesome when it came out. So like, you know, just because a game is taking forever to come out doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be um, bad or even something, or maybe I don't wouldn't even expect it to be bad going into it. Like I said, like, I think this game only doesn't turn out well if kind of the development was in trouble from the beginning. If if like the, there was actually like a fundamental problem with the game to begin with. But, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm excited to no. play it though. I, I don't know when I'm going to play it though, because yeah. it comes out again the day before persona three reload, which I'm not, I'm, I'm just not going to start it the day before and then just go play persona three. Uh, and then final fantasy seven um, rebirth, rebirth comes out at the end yeah. of Fe- February too. And then Unicorn Overlord comes out at the beginning of March. So it's just like, I don't it's know a, what I'm it's a It's game. a triple whammy right there. Like, yeah. you know, but anyways, but yeah, no, I'm definitely not going to get a day one just because of Persona 3 Reload. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll play, Ryan, I'll play it with you day one. Um, okay. And I think I'll go through that pretty quick. That'll be like my, like, I am going to be in it 100% on Xbox, on my Steam Deck uh windows game pass all the yeah. way like it's you're gonna, gonna burn your dread garrett you're gonna, I'm burn gonna burn the dread, dread. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure for uh sure. we're gonna be hanging out playing lotus listen to some lotus juice it's gonna be great. lotus juice let's go <laughs> oh my god that game looks amazing i love like all the little trailers they've been they've been you know releasing for all the different characters too like it looks including so the dog companion like i'm so yes. glad he got it the best boy got his own trailer too yes he did yeah so good it looks so yeah. good um yeah actually we should we should talk about that later like maybe we should maybe we should like stream together that day like yeah that sounds that good game. that'd be interesting. that'd be cool mm-hmm. yeah we'll do some science we'll figure out we'll some do some science with that, that yeah um anyways garrett i think that's gonna do it for tonight's yes. episode of the rpg cave but before we go garrett plugs go on on you gotta tell me what's next oh you're right you gotta, you gotta i totally forgot <laughs> i totally spaced on it you're right garrett's backlog Adventure continues because we mm-hmm. have a new role playing game for Garrett. Let me let me get it from the shelf because I have a physical copy okay. of this. Oh, uh, of course you do. It has all the physical copies for all the games that you. So that as I alluded to, Garrett, when I picked out Valkyria Chronicles for you, you will be embarking on a on a journey through a Sega CD game for the yes. very first time, and you will be playing Lunar the Silver Star Lunar, on the Sega CD. The so, Silver Star. This is actually a game by Game Arts, the creators of Grandia, um, as well as okay, you know, some cool. other games. Um, mm-hmm. And this game was like kind of instrumental to my childhood and just instrumental to my love for role playing games. Um, okay. In fact, you know, there's a lot of other games that have really borrowed from the concept of, of Lunar um, and have really you know inspired them. For example, Cosmic Star Heroine. Like I okay. know Z-Boyd, uh, like um, Where Zombie over there. He he constantly quotes that Lunar is actually a big inspiration for a lot of their games. Um, so that, and there's a bunch of other games out there like anime based RPGs that that wouldn't mm. exist in the the form that they exist in without a game like Lunar. 
Um, so this will be a really interesting game for you to play. Now, I will say something about this game, Garrett. This okay. game came out in 1992. So yes. it is very, very old. And well, as such, yeah. uh, well, the reason why I bring that up is because kind of like what you saw in Valkyria Chronicles, there are some spots where you can get lost because you do have to kind of, it's one of those games where you have to talk to a lot of the townsfolk. And if you're not paying attention to I where see. you're supposed to go, you're not sure where to go. To. So this is the type of game I say, Garrett, you should play with a guide. 100%. Okay, cool. You should play with a guide with this good. game. And I also want you to keep in mind while you play it um, that this game actually came out in 1992 uh, because there's not a lot of other stuff that looks like this from mm -hmm. 1992. So I'm actually okay. pretty excited to hear what you have you, to You know what I picture in my head with 1992, actually? What's that? Link uh, A Link to the Past. It's like pretty close to that, right? A Link to the Past was 1991 or two or something like that? I, I, something I don't even that. know. Um. Uh, but, I'm yeah. I'm looking it up real quick. Yeah, 1991, so the end of 1991. But, okay, uh, cool. Yeah, no. Yeah. It, Actually, it, it this game came out in 1991 in Japan, but 1992 mm. in North America. Because this is, um, we talked about this actually on the Working Designs episode, which was like the third episode we ever did, um, where you know they this game was like one of the very first localized third party role playing games in mm -hmm. North America, and with like a, an actual studio that was just developed just for localizing games which is mm -hmm. really interesting. So there's like, mm -hmm. there's like a lot of voice acting in this game, a lot mm -hmm. of cutscenes, CD mm -hmm. quality music like this. This was actually a very impressive game at the time when it came out. So I have a question for you. Sure. So there's many different versions. Do you want me to play the original? You're playing the original on Sega CD. There's a PS1 and a Sega Saturn and a PSP version. Don't play those. Play the Sega okay. CD version. Okay. Sounds good. I'll do yes. that. It's I'll definitely the roughest of all those ones, but I actually think number one, I think it's the best one. And number two, um, I want, I want you to experience what it was like ooh, to play ooh. the Sega CD. Yeah. Cause I know you good. haven't really played a Sega CD game before. I have not. And so I think, uh, it would be good to pull out my favorite little emulation machine. Yeah. Boy. Pocket. I actually did load up a lot of games on this thing. Um, uh, but I can install some, Sega CD games in here as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so. Don't get me wrong, Garrett. I was very tempted to give you this one, Shining Force CD, but I've already recommended a Shining Force game to you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas this game is also very solid. Like it's one of the best Sega CD games as well, Shining Force CD. Mm -hmm. So, uh, um, another question for you: When I, you know, is so the the Sega CD, Sega Genesis games, they have these six button contraption layouts. Yeah, this one you don't need way. it. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. It does. Right, it doesn't you. even take advantage of the the six button controller, so you can just use the three button layout. Okay. Cool. That sounds great. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that, for sure, use a guide if you're going to play it. Um, I think that's the best way to go. Um, yes, it might spoil a little bit of the story, but I think it's fine. So. Yeah. Okay. That sounds great. And you know, I have safe states and yeah, do whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, cool. exactly. And if viewers at home don't feel like playing this game, but you want to go watch someone play this, um, I don't know if y'all knew this, but on the YouTube channel, CarpoolGaming, uh, youtube.com slash CarpoolGaming, um, if you go to uh, the, the live streams kind of uh, playlist mm -hmm. that we got, um, we have an Extra Life 2021 archive. And this is the game I played for Extra Life. 2021 where i basically played the whole thing in one weekend on oh for extra life and it's nice awesome. yeah nice. so um cool. you can go check it out for yourself while garrett plays through it but Sounds anyways good. now that we got that out of the way 
Yes. Dirt plugs go. You can follow me at Twitter at Bland Explosion. You can also find me on the Discord. I'm in the RPG Cave. Nintendo Drive, Xbox Drive, PlayStation Drive. Where I read the messages. Don't worry. But RPG Cave, I'll respond to you. PC gaming. Yeah, if you mention something about Steam Deck, OLED, or or ROG Ally contraption or whatever, I will respond. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Nice, nice. Although I, I will say the RPG Cave pages, Discord page has kind of been just a mess with Xenoblade stuff at this point. It's yeah, been, it's been hard to actually, you know, get anything in there edgewise. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised with that. And, um, you know, a new Xenoblade uh, Chronicles 3 game thread, which is kind of cool to see. So now and now the RPG cave is not, you know, clustered full of Xenoblade stuff. You can just yeah. go over there, too. In fact, got Z- you know, Garrett, how could I have forgotten? I forgot to do this at the beginning of the show. So I'll do this at the end of the show. Um, I'm okay. going to share my screen here because I forgot to mention we have a Xenobabe t-shirt on sale right meow. Yeah. If you, if you yeah. want to be a Xenobabe too, just like all the other people here at Carpool Gaming, uh, you can get your commemorative t-shirt available at carpoolgaming.com. Or if you want to get an RPG Cave t-shirt, there's also there too. But yeah, um, yeah we have it's a good. lot of cool shirts on the page mm-hmm. right now. And that's one of them. So definitely go check that out. Um, as for me, you can find me on Twitter at Ryan Turford. You also find us on Twitter at Carpool Gaming right here, youtube.com slash Carpool Gaming, and of course, podcast services around the globe. So for Garrett Bland, I'm Ryan Turford. This has been the 116th level of the RPG cave, and we're out. Bye-bye. The RPG cave's mana is powered by patrons over at patreon.com slash Carpool Gaming. When we say thank you to all of our patrons, starting with our ultimate producers, Tony Baker from the Quest 4 Pixels podcast. You can check them out over at youtube.com slash Quest 4 Pixels today. That's the number four, not spelled four spelled out. We also got Jonathan Brown, the man behind the music on the Xbox Drive. You can check out his link tree to all of his links featuring his awesome music down in the description of this podcast. Lee Navarro, the fearless leader of the Phoenix Overdrive Extra Life team. You can check them out over at phoenixoverdrive.com. Getting ready for Extra Life 2024. Of course, Trucker Sloth and Quagmire, who humbly reminds you, of course, to replay all of the extra endings from Near Automata. Our platinum producers, Jonas Young, and our gold members, Adam K, Anna, Bowza, Brian Eck, Brian Reese, Cecily Carosa, Dan and Luma, Dano, Drellish, Emily Kelly, Hopple, John32, Marcus Moneal, Mo Spankins, Hedge AP, Shy Guy, thank you, Shy Guy, and Tim Alf. Thank you all for all of your support. And if you want to hop in the car with us, head over to patreon.com slash carpoolgaming and choose the tier that's right for you. We've got all kinds of awesome content over there, including the Pants Patreon Podcast for Patrons podcast, Carpool Gaming BTS, it could be anything, and a whole lot more.